0: welcome to the baskopedia podcast brought to you by system basketball on this episode coach david sanders of all saints episcopal school we will be discussing bedlam ball and why he made the switch to the system so stay tuned Hey everybody! This is Coach Hart with the Baskopedia podcast. Today I have David Sanders from All Saints Episcopal School in Tyler, Texas. How's it going today in Texas, Coach?
1: It's going well, Mark. Um, we got we got cold weather for us, which is probably low fifties, high forties. Okay. But uh, it's a it's a good it's been a good weekend, so it's going oh. well.
0: Well, I'm jealous. I mean, it's good for you because you're playing ball. Um, I mean, you're one of the. I think you're one of the few states that are playing it, started. Did you start on time, Coach, or did you have to wait?
1: wait I waited. Uh, so 10 out of my 11 girls play volleyball, and they got quarantined. Uh, they were supposed to play on a Saturday for their first playoff game, got quarantined on Thursday. And so not only was I waiting on them for volleyball, but I was also waiting on them because the, uh, of the quarantine. And so um I had to cancel my first two games even when I was waiting on volleyball I was probably going to have about two practices before a game and then the quarantine hit and we had to cancel our first two games so we could have played seven by now but we we've been fortunate to play uh the five since canceling those first two games
0: well let us know about your about your coaching background how did you get started
1: uh, well, I've been, been a basketball player all my life, and I uh, had an opportunity to go play Division three at Louisiana College. Um, didn't make it very long, so after my freshman year, moved back to my hometown of Orange, Texas, and um, went to school at Lamar University in Beaumont, and after about a year, I kind of started getting the itch of wanting to be back involved in basketball some more, and so I started student teaching. Uh, at a a local school district where the JV coach at my high school at the time became the head coach and uh, to in Texas if you want to be even a a, anyone on staff you basically have to be a part of the school if you're a public school coach and teacher and so they got me to do that by being a full-time bus driver and so here I am at age 19 went and got my CDL and I am a full-time route driver I'm not just a driving kids to the games I'm six o'clock in the morning going around houses and picking up kids and then shooting off to uh, Beaumont which was about 30 minutes away go to class and then come back at lunch because it was free lunch if you work there and so um, I did all my school in the morning came back to the school that I was working at and help coach drive a route go to practices go to games and so that started my coaching career and and uh, eventually got an undergraduate degree in kinesiology. Through a couple connections, ended up at Northwestern State University in Natchitoches, Louisiana, uh, which is a Div- Division I school in the Southland Conference, and was a grad assistant there for two years. Uh, I came a couple years. I don't, most people probably remember them from 2006. Uh, they knocked off Iowa uh, on on a buzzer beater. Uh, It's one of the classic games of March Madness uh, and then lost to West Virginia, made it made a competitive game in the second round. Um, So I was a grad assistant there for two years under Mike McConathy, who is now the the winningest college coach in uh, Louisiana's uh, basketball history. And so um, that's where I really cut my teeth. From Northwestern, met my wife there and uh, she was also a coach, but she was a soccer coach and She got a job at Mississippi State in Starkville uh, as an assistant soccer coach there. So I followed her and started coaching at a private school there. We moved back to Texas and Austin, had a few years off. And then uh, once we moved back to her hometown of Tyler, when we had our first kid, it's when I kind of fell back into coaching. First at a middle school and then at a a small two-way public school called New Summerfield. Uh, that was my first head coaching job was there three years. And then this is my second year. Um, that was boys at new Summerfield. This is my second year at all saints where I'm doing girls.
0: Uh, coach, what size school are you at? All saints, are you small school, big school?
1: It's, it's small, even though, so in Texas, UIL is the, is the public school governing body. And then the private schools are under taps, um, which is uh, a separate, entity from UIL, and so we're TAPS 4A, which sounds big, but it's not. We have 157 kids in our high school, so we're small, and so even when I came from boys public school at a 2A, um, I believe we had 145 kids in the high school, so I've, I've kind of always been around um, the little bit smaller school environment.
0: Okay, um, what coaches have helped shape your coaching philosophy and style?
1: Definitely number one, Mike McConaughey at Northwestern uh, Northwestern State, Louisiana, and his staff. Uh, it's, it's funny, Coach Mike is actually one of the first guys, Division I, that did the whole platoon system. Um, and so that was kind of my first introduction to this type of style of play and really enjoying it. Uh, he is not as, as extreme as far as the shifts rotation. Um, he, we were more in like three or four minute shifts. Uh, and, instead of 35 seconds or a minute, but that whole way, whole way of thinking of we're going to play a lot of guys and we're going to play up tempo. We're going to play fast. Um, definitely, Coach Mike uh, and, and the staff that was there. Some of them still there, others at different schools now. But um, I would say he's the biggest influence. And, and of course, my high school coaches. Um, I didn't get to play for him, but my brother did. That got to play for a guy that got 700 wins in the state of Texas. And so growing up in that environment and that system uh, was huge under Barry Bourne. My two coaches in high school, Jeff Burke and Oliver Simmons, big time influences. Oliver, um, some people remember him. So he was a freshman on Kentucky's 96 championship team, big 6'10 redhead uh, guy from Tennessee that uh, eventually transferred to Florida State. So that was my second high school coach. Um, and then Jeff Burke, the guy that I played under when I was a sophomore, was also a former college basketball player, and now is the superintendent of schools. And so um, really lucky and fortunate of the, of the guys I got to grow up under in high school. Uh, and then all the other coaches I've worked for or worked with, um, even at New Summerfield, my superintendent had won a state championship in Texas at the 1A level. Um, so it's pretty nice when your superintendent is a former basketball coach yourself, himself, and um, that school did not have football, so basketball was king. So that was really cool on the boys' side to, to really be like the, the sport that people look to. Even my principal was the former girls' basketball coach. Uh, one of my best buddies is the head coach at LSU Alexandria, which is a new, relatively new NAIA program that's been, and he's been the head coach for six years there and met him at Northwestern State. So all those types of guys uh, are big influences, but I would say a lot of the drills I still use besides all the ones in um, the system book and, you know, coaching the system and, and some of the different things that I've watched on your clinics and just all my research and playing with the system Uh, Definitely my time at Northwestern State was my most influential as a coach and how I coach and uh, the the style I want to play today.
0: Okay. A new question I've been kind of asking of late on some of the podcasts is, what three people, living or dead, would you want to sit and have dinner with?
1: Yeah, that was an interesting question. Uh, The first two are pretty personal just because I just have lost – Uh, One would be my granddaddy that died uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the other would be a cousin that was my age that I grew up with in my hometown that passed away in a car wreck when he was 19. And so uh, those two are personal. The third one, um, you know, I had a hard time going back and forth, but it's probably I'm a big time Seinfeld friend (laughs) or Seinfeld uh, show guy. I love I was watching it last night, just walking around the house, cleaning and and so probably Jerry Seinfeld, just because uh, that is my sense of humor. And so I would enjoy talking to him.
0: Well, we see your shirt name there. Uh, you've dubbed your style of play Bedlam Ball. So it intrigued me how you came up with the name. And how do you define Bedlam Ball there at All Saints?
1: Yeah, so I'm a big-time believer, in. Uh, I love branding. I love kind of marketing what you do. Uh, While I was at Northwestern, I got my master's in sports administration. And so there's a big side of me that loves that kind of stuff. Uh, And so coming up with, you know, how do I want to describe how we play? Uh, You obviously have uh, Shaka and Chaos and you got uh, even uh, Mount Mayhem with Mount St. Mary's Um, when they made their run a few years ago. Uh, for the old school guys you got 40 minutes of hell with nolan richardson like what what can you do what can you kind of come up with to describe how you how you want to play and so i basically just looked at words you know that are similar to chaos and uh the one that made the most sense and that had the most um catchy ring to it was was bedlam ball and so bedlam to me uh the the, the technical definition is a scene of uproar and confusion and, and what better word or, or definition to co- to come up with with how we want to play, and and sometimes it's bedlam for the other team where they're like, man, we're this is just crazy and it's confusing, and then I've had some nights already this year where it's bedlam for me as a coach because it's just a little bit too crazy, right, and um, and we don't necessarily play well, and that's kind of ugly side of bedlam ball, but uh, anything that's catchy, and again, I think the biggest thing. Um, certainly from listening to your podcast and, and clinics and everything is what can you do as a coach to get your, to get your kids to buy in, your players, um, your community, your parents, uh, your administration, your AD, anything that kids, people like that within your basketball community can grasp and get a hold of, um, what can they kind of identify with? And, if, and right now it's Bedlam Ball I'm so everyone's, everyone's happy about bedlam ball. And so hopefully that continues.
0: It's the shiny new toy, coach. Um, it is. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have to do a year two, year three with it and see if it's still shiny, right? Um, yes. But oh, what were the sure. reasons why you decided to make the switch to the system style of play? Uh,
1: to be honest, I've been tiptoeing around it for a couple of years. Um, so I was at, at at the previous school, New Summerfield. I was there for three years. Um that was my first head coaching job and my last year we had a pretty good year we went 24 and 8 um I had those kids for 3 years and so uh what was crazy is my last year there my entire team my entire varsity team was seniors um, which is you know that's rare to happen at a school the size that I was at 145 kids in your in your high school, I had 12 seniors that stuck it out and and played. And so um we definitely did not play. We played more traditional. We pressed, but a lot of times we pressed back into a Syracuse 2-3 zone. Um I had two really good players, one that ended up walking on at University of Texas at Tyler, uh which is a division two school here in Tyler. And um my second best player was uh was a pretty strong guard too. And so You know, I kind of catered around them too. And then I figured out real quick, okay, if I stay here, I am resetting, right? I'm pushing the reset button. I, I literally had zero kids with varsity experience. And so as a coach, you're always trying to think a year ahead, trying to think a step ahead. So I started researching. That's when I got coaching the system book. And I was fully committed to if I was going to stay there at New Summerfield that next season, to putting 15, 17 kids on varsity and just going full blown into it. And then late in the summer, uh, I was able to take this job at All Saints. Um, the main reason being there's two main reasons. Number one, uh, it was not, it's in town, uh, living in Tyler. So it was a lot closer and with a young family, uh, three kids under the age of six. Uh, instead of a 45-minute commute, it was now a 15-minute drive, uh, and then number two, the AD uh, that I had grown uh, a relationship with was a big factor, too, and and honestly, just the school itself as well, um, the type of school and um, the reputation academically it has for our kids moving forward was important, too, and so last year, being <clears throat> being new and coaching girls for the first time, coaching varsity girls for the first time. I originally kind of walked in going, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, But I'm sure a lot of coaches who go to new schools feel the same way that I did. Like they didn't want to go in there and just blow things up. And um, so I kind of tiptoed around it. Uh, I I definitely think I could have done it last year. I had a point guard, a senior point guard that was pretty good um, and, and really could create some shots for herself. Uh, Unfortunately, she went down with a dislocated kneecap, like our fourth game of the season, and then we struggled for the next 12 games, however long that we didn't have her before getting her back. But um, all that to say, and I I can tell you, I can give you specific stats here in a second, but there wasn't much difference in the way that we were playing and saying, hey, let's, let's go all in on bedlam ball. Let's go all in on the system. Um, it's not going to look that much different statistically. And, in fact, if we don't do it, we may not score 20 points a game. And uh, I don't care who you are and how good of a coach you are, if you can't score 20 points a game, it's really hard to stop someone else from scoring 20 points a game. Yeah. And, and, and so you, you kind of have two – you really have two ways to go, two directions. You either play like I decided to play, or you slow it down. Mm-hmm. You you run flex. You 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 try to take three shots a quarter. Whatever you can come up with to just kind of keep yourself in the game. Um, but as most basketball coaches know, if you don't have the skill to hold on to the ball that long, it's probably not going to end up well, right? It's it's yeah. probably it's probably a turnover regardless, and so. Yep. Uh, why not do the opposite, why not do the fun, um, and make it something that the kids can really look back on their high school career, uh, that, man, basketball was a fun time, I, I really enjoyed playing.
0: Okay. So, so, I take it, no shot clock in Texas?
1: We have no shot clock, it's actually been voted on, uh, I think it was voted on this past summer, maybe the year before, and they turned it down, um, I think uh and-
0: Financial reasons, blah, 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 right?
1: Yeah, all that. And, of course, now the way I'm playing, I would love it. Yeah, Uh, I have
0: it. So that's what I was saying is laughing at your thing where can't hold on to the ball. I don't know how many times over the course of my career. Because I haven't coached without a shot clock. Right. And I believe the shot clock came into existence when I was a freshman in high school. So I've never played basketball or coached basketball without a shot clock other than, like, the summer games uh, 20 minute running halves and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know how many times I've asked for last shots of quarters and last shot turned into turnover for last shot for the other team. So, um, I, I hear you. Um, and I I have the same philosophy where you either play super fast or I use the analogy, you play Princeton and you try to hit those gut shot threes with five seconds left on the shot clock here. So you can't just hold it here. So I don't know how you guys run bedlam ball and the system <laughs> when people can just four corner you and just say, hey, come get me and and make that shift. Extend if the refs aren't blowing right. a whistle or you're not fouling. I mean,
1: well, I think, you know, I think especially at the level that I'm at um, and, and there, first of all, there are some really, really strong smaller schools, especially in East Texas, but all over the state, Um, small towns that have a very strong, great basketball tradition, where their kids grow up in it, right? And and they develop that IQ, and coaches may have them from little dribblers, youth age groups, all the way through their senior year. Um, So if we ever run into those teams, and I purposely don't schedule those type of teams because it probably wouldn't look good for us, but – those teams with that high basketball IQ, like either one, they're going to have enough skill to run with us and, and be able to not let the press or whatever um, affect them as much and all that good stuff, or they have the knowledge and the wherewithal to uh, be able to do a delay and make us just spread out and run all over the place and kind of and, and waste time that way. So it is it's definitely – I think it, it hadn't hurt us yet. Um, but it definitely could get, it can get to the point where it can be, it can be costly for sure.
0: So you bought the book, you came to a couple zoom clinics over the course of March, April, May, June, July ish. What, what style did you, um, decide on doing? Are you copying Olivet, or who you, are you doing your own type of thing? What did you decide on?
1: It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's a hybrid. If you want to call it that, I know you use that word a lot. Um, I would say if I'm copying anyone, it's more Olivet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do think for girls, and I've heard several coaches say this. Um, I love what Grinnell does. I just don't know if in girls, if it's really uh, you got to really have a, a good. You have to have at least two strong point guards that can make those reads and passes, mm-hmm. um, and then you got to have the other girls that IQ wise know their roles and 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 truly know what that means. Um, my team specifically, as of right now, we don't have the skill to really do a dribble drive, to be honest. Um, and so I've kind of implemented just your more traditional fast break, right, with, with a rim runner. Um, I have been watching some of your stuff, and I really like it. I just don't know if we're quite there yet skill-wise on like a, a two-sided fast break. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like how that spreads out the floor. Uh, I am fortunate enough this year to have – Um, a big girl a six-foot girl that um, is probably my best decision maker she didn't play last year because she wanted to pursue volleyball um, in the in the summer and and try to get a volleyball scholarship but she did come out her senior year and so um, I let her play outside you know a little bit but I also want her down the block some and so um, we kind of we try to flow in it's not always pretty but one thing Coach Mike is, is, is known for uh, is the Buna power offense, which he, people here lo- locally know what that means. It's basically a drag, roll, and replace mm-hmm. um, um, ball screen offense. And so we kind of flow into that uh, as best we possibly can. Um, but honestly, you know, I, I think most probably system coaches would hopefully agree with this. Uh, I hope we don't even ever get to that point. Correct. So I, I mean, that's, I mean, we, we do run it and, uh, and a lot of girls teams here run zone. So it's not like we are, we're going to face a man to man pressure or even half court man, every single game, we'll probably play a man once every six or seven games. Everyone else is probably playing a zone. Um, but the goal is to never even really run that. The goal is, is hopefully the ball is getting up the floor and, um, I really like what, um, is it Tipton, the one that's done the two-sided yeah. break, yeah. that I really like that phrase of early and opposite, mm-hmm. and so that is, this last week has been my focus and practice on our guards, like, let's kick the ball up early and opposite and see what happens, and then go attack, and, or, if you know, dribble in there and get get the paint and kick it out for a three, um, but again, it doesn't always look like that, and it, and that's fine, but if I had to say that's my style offensively it's definitely not structured Grinnell Um, it's it's more of let's just get it and go and see what happens
0: coach I'll be honest with you I don't even know there's hardly any men's teams boys teams high school boys teams really running the traditional Grinnell anymore most people are going Olivet version or even Greenville five out and and even a ball screen or or whatever they're just playing more open and free they're not setting staggered and, 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 doing that, um, hardly anyone, um, is,
1: and I, I think that takes a lot of, uh, I'll just be honest, we, we don't, I don't have basketball kids, and, you know, I grew up playing basketball all my life, so I can come down, I could be able to run down and go set a staggered screen and, and really know what that means, and headhunt, and then roll, or slip, whatever you, you got going on, but, um, to teach kids, in my case, girls, specifically hey you should run here and set a screen and if they come off the screen this way you do this if they come off the screen this way or if the defender uh (laughs) follows you then you curl right i I, I simply do not have enough time in my day um as much time as i get with them to uh, i could spend all practice on that and um and then here we go and we play a team and they play nothing but zone and now we don't do it at all so um, I like the freedom of it, and if anyone's watching that, are listening that coaches girls basketball, you know that girls basketball a lot of the time is just chaos and random stuff anyway, um, because in, in my experience, uh, girls run into each other for no reason, they fall down the floor for no reason. Uh, it's part of what makes bedlam ball for girls fun, I think, because there's a little bit of that. Um, Anyway, just in a in a, in, a, in a girls basketball game, and so now it kind of gets to use that part of their game, uh, hopefully to our advantage.
0: What did you decide on the defensive? And did you just put one press in, or do you have a couple in?
1: I've I've got a couple. Um, so out of my eleven girls, I do have six returners. Um, well, actually, seven returners. And so uh, last year we would run a two-two-one. Uh, off of like made free throws mm. and so this year that what I consider my first group if I had to say my my top five just because they're they've got experience with it um, I can put them in that 2, two one on made baskets and, and them have a pretty good idea of what's going on um, other than that we have uh, where we're beginning to work on a diamond um, and then within that diamond the on and off uh, as the book talks about you know taking the The person off the uh, inbounder and doubling up the best point guard or whatever the case may be, but to be honest, the 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 thing that's worked the most is scramble, find find somebody, and then I have a I have two girls that are really athletic, really competitive, and work really hard uh, for for our school, not only in basketball but just in other other sports. And uh, they have very, very little skill, but that's how they contribute. And so, when they're in, I put them in different shifts. When they're in, I say, "Go chase the ball." You two, Conley and Sarah, you two go chase the, the go chase the basketball, and yeah. let's see what happens. And to me, that's been our most successful full court pressure: is little structure. You know giving them as little details as I possibly can. And then on top of that, you know, I think every, like every coach wants to be unique and how, how can I put my own little fingerprint on what we're trying to do on top of that? I'm really trying to force left. Um, I'm really trying to make Mm -hmm. girls dribble with their left hand all up and down the court. And Mm -hmm. we have a ways to go on that thinking and, and what that looks like. But, um, it, it's it's hard to implement that i think at the same time but i'm trying to get them to understand like i don't care where they go i don't care what they do as long as they go left and you know nine out of ten that should be uh something that works to our advantage
0: okay so what did you decide on for your system goal
1: so i'm looking at them right now and th- that was a tough one um because even though we didn't score a lot of points last year, we, uh, I mean, we only averaged 30 points a game last year. Um, uh, but within that we shot almost 50 times a game. So, uh, we were just obvious when mean, we still are a very poor shooting team. Um, but it wasn't like I was holding the ball and, and, and trying to not score. And so last year we averaged about 50 shots. So my, my five goals, uh, I thought realistically 70 uh, was a realistic first step. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to make it 80 um, because I, I want to see – I want to be able to give the girls some successes, right, and say, hey, we we, we really really trying to get 70 shots. I think 30 more shots than we were taking last year on average uh, was asking a lot with a majority of the same group coming back. And so – my team goal, 70 total shots. Thir- I, I'm not quite half three-pointers. I did 32, um, which basically means 16 and a half, right? Can of look at our stat sheet and like, okay, we've shot 16 threes. Uh, 40% offensive rebound percentage, a 25-shot difference, and then forcing 30, turn- 30 turnovers.
0: Okay. So you have them. Have you hit all five in a game yet?
1: We have, so we are, out of our five games, we're three and two. Mm -hmm. The three three games that we've hit all five, we're we're three and oh.
0: So that's that 95%. Hopefully you don't get that 95%, hopefully you keep that 100%, so. Yeah, it's,
1: and and honestly, uh, in one game, I can bring it up here, our very first game, so we hit those numbers Except, yeah, no, no, we did hit those numbers. On our very first game, though, we lost 30 to 31. This was our first game of the season. And I think I had them a total of four hours of practice after coming home or coming back from quarantine. And uh, we hit all the numbers that we lost. So I'm sorry, we, we're, we're three and one. Sorry. Okay. We're three and one, we hit all the numbers, we just didn't make any shots.
0: (laughs) So now you've done the games, you've done your goals. Are you going to tweak them and make them a little tougher to achieve? Do you think they're achieving them too easily?
1: Uh, I don't. Shot attempts, maybe? Yeah, I I wanna say if I had to adjust two of them as the season goes, uh, I would probably adjust shot attempts and then turnovers forced. just you know, I think uh, I think Doug Porter said this uh, several times. I've listened to him. Girls will turn it over a lot more than boys, and so uh, we are easily making the other team turn it over. Uh, I mean, one game, the other earlier this week, we won fifty six to twenty seven. We forced forty nine turnovers. Holy moly. Um, but then the game, the next game we played, we lost. Obviously, we shot terrible because we lost 25 to 38. But we only forced 27. You know, so my, my turnover goal of 30 is – is uh, I think that can be adjusted, you know, at some point. You might bring it up to 34 or 35.
0: Which um, one do you think's the toughest but, to achieve? Um,
1: the bad thing is we, we're averaging twenty. Toughest – to achieve for for us is really the is getting up that many three-point shots um and are probably just getting up the total shots period and the main reason is we struggle our our guards struggle right now without turning the ball over and so um the, the game that we lost 25 to 38 we i think we had like 34 turnovers ourselves and so you know, if you turn it over, if you turn over the ball more, obviously you get less shots yourself. And so, if we can, if we can develop a little bit better handle on the ball, then um, I think, I think shots will come. Like that game, we only shot 42 times, and the main reason being they didn't stall or anything. The main reason being is, is we kept giving them a, before we even got a shot attempt off. And so that's probably the highest offensive rebound percentage has been. Uh, all except one game has been over 40. Um, again, we've been forcing turnovers pretty well. Um, but we've only shot more than 33s one game. And I think that's, you know, I think that's that's going to be a, a tough one. Well, I
0: would especially. think coaching girls, I mean, it sounds like you're getting the turnovers, but it may be that they're traveling or throwing the ball out of bounds. So it's not a lot of live ball turnovers. Yes. See, To me, if I coach girls, I don't think I'd ever hit the three-point number because I'd hopefully be too busy stealing the ball and going and make layups.
1: Well, and 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 honestly, the games that we've been successful is that's that's probably been the the, the most threes this year that we've made in the game is eight. Uh, most of our games, we're only making three or four three-pointers, and so um, obviously we got a lot of work to do on shooting, but. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is that is us in in a nutshell. Um, like that very first game when we lost thirty to thirty one, we win by twenty. Uh, again, I had just only had my team for four hours, so I, I had zero expectations walking into that game. And that's and that's four hours of practice after two weeks of quarantine and doing nothing. Um, and so if that's a that's a game where you know we make ten of our freebie layups you know, we're, we're winning by 15, 18 points. Um, but that's just how it goes. And that that's why I really feel like for girls, it can be effective. I can't tell you how many times I look over at the bench and it's a three-on-0 fast break for them, the other team, or two-on-one, or whatever the case may be, and they don't score. Um, it, it just happens. I think I think girls' skill level is definitely in this area Skill level, but also just the ability to finish. I mean, with my own team, we we all, we have several of those opportunities every game as well, and we don't walk away with points. And so um, that's why I think this works because, you know, I've heard a lot of boys coaches say, "Well, I just can't help, we I can't stomach giving up a wide open layup or a wide open dunk." Well, especially my level for for girls basketball, a one on o layup is not a guaranteed two points not guaranteed and so that's why you, you throw caution to the wind and you do it
0: so what's the biggest adjustment for you in games I mean um what do you have you struggled with anything with the system like having to like if there's foul trouble with because you only got 11 so someone gets that third foul in the first half um what what type of things are giving you difficulty is it the x's and o's or is it just in-game adjustments to doing things on the fly that may happen in the course of the game
1: Yeah, I definitely, um, there's a reason why people say, well, you got to have 12, you have to have at least 12, right, so you kind of can have two groups, Mm -hmm. Um, like, I have a starting group, I think everyone would probably consider, okay, who's your best five, and then, then you maybe make two shifts with a sub for each one of those groups, right, that's probably ideal, Um, with me only having 11, I'm not obviously able to do that, but Foul trouble, we've had that happen a couple games. In in our last game, the point guard um, picked up her third foul in the second quarter. And so um, uh, probably my best overall skill player who who I'll put at point guard had to play point guard more often um, than I probably really wanted her to. Um, As far as in-game adjustments, besides – shifts that's something we're still coming up with my assistant and I like it's it's hard to uh you know we're only five games in so I'm still switching up my groups right now Mm -hmm. um not necessarily in game but from kind of game to game okay let's try this five together and this five together and kind of trying to find what is going to be our really we're going to be our two groups and then um who's going to sub in and out for that one group uh, with a group of six. Um, and honestly, it's conditioning right now. We're just, that's the biggest struggle is if, if I have to double shift or even triple shift some of my players, um, they get worn out really quick. And so um, it's being able to find that balance of, you know, you want some better players to be in the game, especially when you're struggling. Um, And and I've already learned my lesson in one of my games with that, but um, just finding that that mix of what groups work together. And then how often do you sub, um, is an an adjustment that I have to continue to kind of remind myself or remind my assistant, hey, let's get them in a little bit quicker. Uh, but I feel like we're learning and, and doing a better job with that.
0: So you have the book. I have the book. Everybody that runs the system should have the book. Um, what's the biggest objections you're getting from your players or objection?
1: Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I don't know if I'm getting any objections. Um, if I had to call it anything, I would probably use another word. I would probably use ignorance. Uh, they just don't know right? Uh, They just don't know. um, They don't quite know how to run and sprint the entire shift, right? Like I don't think it's they're objecting to it or they're uh, rebelling against it in any way. Uh, We definitely have our moments where we do that pretty well, but um, just understanding that concept of while you're in there, emptying out the tank and, and then come get some rest um, another thing I would say is look at my list here, uh, that, that overall sense of urgency, especially on defense. Uh, and again, I think that comes down to conditioning, right? If, if you've got the, if you've got a second win or you, if you have the conditioning to really just put the most amount of pressure you possibly can on the other team. Um, but also having that, sense of urgency in your head like hey this is what we're trying to do at all all moments of the game regardless kind of of the score regardless of the situation regardless if things are going well or not having that sense of urgency uh to do that um and then the other thing is again i don't think this is objecting i think it's just kind of not knowing ignorance right is Okay, we, we want quick shots. We want a bunch of shots. But also, can we find our little bit better players more often? Right? Can we find the people that really need the ball in their hand more often than not? Can we find them and let them make the decisions? Um, I think we have to do a little bit better of that. But I, I I really don't think that's – they're objecting to anything I think they just don't really know any better just from lack of experience lack of knowledge of of the game um, basketball IQ whatever you want to call it
0: okay well you decide you were going to run it and everybody this one always makes me laugh they tell you to make the powerpoint right Um, and, and go talk to your admin and your team what what kind of thing did you do to introduce it to your school and your admin did you Did you just, did you go tell them? Did you, or did you just roll with it and do it?
1: Uh, A little mixture of both. Um, I didn't do the, I didn't do the PowerPoint. Uh, I have a great relationship with my athletic director, who's the former basketball coach. And um, he played in a, in a tempo uh, that was really fast as well. He loves pressure. He loves playing fast. And so He knows our girls and our athletes better than anybody because he's been he's been there for like 28 years and um, just a terrific basketball mind. And so it really just went to him and said, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And his if I could sum up what he responded to me with, it was. David, I don't think you have any other choice. I don't think there's any other way that you're going to be successful with this group of kids. And so, obviously, having that type of support from your AD is, is great. Um, Administrative-wise, from our head of school, who's a former coach, and then uh, our, our principal, our assistant head of school for the upper school, they they're if they're about anything, they're more about participation and, and making sure the girls play. Um, we do have a low participation just overall in girls' sports in my school. And so um, – to give an example, when I first took the job, my, my AD, Eddie he said, well, you know, we, you got a pretty low number of, of, of kids back. And, of course, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is just back from the varsity. Um, and like a day later when I'm up there to sign my contract and talk to him, he said, well, if we started the season today, you would have six girls. And I'm going, oh, okay, six, six returners, that's not bad. He said, no, no, you would have six players total. And I'm like on varsity or that's, you know, JV. No, we don't really have a JV really. You know, you're, you're talking about you got six players in your program in the high school. So, um, you know, anything that can create some numbers and in a volume and participation, our administration, I think is going to be all about. And then from there, um, Any coach knows that it's really hard to recruit kids and then not play them, you know, and then and how are you going to recruit more kids when you lose those kids to graduation or whatever, they move schools or whatever the case may be. Um, The participation element of system style basketball um, is really, really appealing to me. And so fortunate enough to have an AD that's like, David, it's your program. You do you do whatever is best. Um, and I am fully on board, and I I even agree with you that this is probably the the way that you need to play to be competitive. Uh, and then administration going same type of thing. We support you. Uh, we love that girls are coming out to play, and that's what you know. That's kind of their first their first step with me.
0: Okay, so it's your first year running it, and we got a lot of people listening usually that are either getting ready to start running it, maybe ran it once, one year, any advice you'd give to, to us as coaches that are running it or that you've, that you've learned in the short time that you've ran it?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think the number one thing to me is celebrate your small successes, right? Um, Don't expect. Don't don't have huge expectations. So it celebrates your small successes. So to me, what that looks like is, um, I had a girl that played on varsity or played on the team last year, (coughs) excuse me, that did not score a point all season, and in her second game, she made two free throws, and this was not in the fourth quarter when we're losing or winning by a lot. This is in the second quarter and she's in the game and she's contributing, right? And so uh, we made a big deal about that. And that wasn't, it wasn't to uh, make her feel bad. It was like, hey, that's a small success. Like, hey, look up, you're already in your second game this year and you've already scored points, right? Um, Certainly, I I really, I talk about this pretty much every game is, is that I focus on what I call the three E's. I call it energy effort and enthusiasm. So to me, if you bring all three of those, uh, you're gonna put yourself in a chance to be successful. Um, and probably our girls, just in our school in general, they do a great job at effort. Um, I, I don't ever really have to get on them about their effort. I do have to, to remind them about their energy sometime as far, and that's just a overall positive um, attitude, a positive feeling. Um, and then just enthusiasm and the good thing about the system style is enthusiasm will come because everyone's getting to get in the game and contribute and feel positive things, um, about, about their self and how they're playing. Um, uh, and then the biggest thing I think is, is like, I've heard this is stick with it. it it's going to look really bad at some times. Um, the other night when we lost 25 to 38, uh, I was just kind of the whole game because we just struggled the whole game just to do anything positive really consistently. And it's real tempting in the middle of the game to, well, you know, that team hadn't shot a three yet. Like they're not trying to, shoot. let's just play a zone and pack it in. And, you know, maybe we can just come out with a win. It's really tempting as a coach who's competitive, and I know all coaches are competitive, to go, I'm going to – drop it, and go strictly for the win. Um, And so I would encourage you to stick with it. And then the last thing is just give ownership to the kids. Let them make some decisions. Um, Let them take ownership of their groups. And that's what I'm really working on right now is as we kind of go through these groups and eventually come up with hopefully two groups uh, to shift with in and out is hey, group A, you're going to be really good at this. I think you can really be uh, successful in this type of press or pressure, and that's what I want you to own, right? On defense, for the other group, uh, you're going to look a little bit different. Take ownership of that type of way of playing. Um, And I think if you do that, then kids will, will buy in and they'll say, hey, this is our group and this is what we do. Excuse me, and um, be successful.
0: Well, coach, I wanted to thank you for joining me today, and wish you, your family,
1: Dark.
0: uh health, and and your team good luck for the rest of the year. Um, and I'm jealous, like I said before, you're able, you guys are able to be playing. Um, doesn't look good here in California, so um,
1: yeah, we have we have a brother-in-law. My wife's brother's in California, so we we know about all y'all's restrictions.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Basketpedia podcast with David Sanders of All Saints Episcopal School. If you would like to attend our virtual clinics, subscribe to our email list at systembasketball.com.